Clancy Pasta presents I'm Going Mad in the Mirror, written by the Clar. I need the readers here to be my voice of reason because, in my sleep deprived state, I can no longer tell reality from hallucination. The day my wife and I moved into our dream home six months ago was coincidentally my final full night's sleep. I've spent every night since locked in a losing battle with insomnia, each night wasting away an ever-increasing number of waking hours in the company of the reflection in the mirror. The mirror was here long before us, an ornamental monstrosity which has resided above the great room fireplace since the estate was constructed in 1895. While the surrounding rooms have all been updated and modernized, the great room remains a treasure left untouched since the Gilded Age the crowning feature around which every other aspect of the house orbits. If the grey room is the crown, then the fireplace and mirror are the jewel set at its center. Our realtor described the whole look as stately when she showed us the place. My wife called it old money chic. All I knew was that it would make my older brothers burn up with jealousy. Making this place our home was intended to convey to the world that this was a chapter of our lives straight from the pages of a fairy tale. In reality, a very different story has unfolded inside these walls. My insomnia did not peak immediately. Instead, it built up in the way that dust forms atop a dresser, slow and with time. In the first few weeks, I would fall asleep with ease, only to come awake in the dead of night, an anxious sense nagging in me that there was something I needed to do. I would shuffle about the house in the dark, get a quick drink of water, use the bathroom, then head back to bed and quickly fall back to sleep. If that had been the extent of things, all would have been fine. Those brief nighttime pit stops could be tolerated. As the weeks passed, however, the nightly interludes began to lengthen. Each new occurrence chipped away more and more of my sleep, until finally I would return to bed after making my rounds only to toss and turn until morning. Eventually, I surrendered to the situation and stopped returning to our bed. I would instead head downstairs to the great room and attempt to distract my mind in the hope I may capture some sleep in my favorite chair. In the beginning, I passed the time watching TV or scrolling through my phone. That lasted until my doctor, who at the time thought the issue was related to my inability to turn off my mind, told me that the light modern tech emits actually compounds the symptoms of insomnia. Thinking that giving up those devices could be an easy fix, I quit looking at technology after dark. Technology no longer an option, I tried reading, but found myself perpetually going back over the same lines and passages, my sleep-deprived mind unable to process the words on the page. I have started and discarded an endless stream of podcasts, never choosing them based on topics that interested me but instead looking for hosts with a specific quality to their voice. The more monotone, drawl, or droning, the better. Even with the boredom those programs create, they have failed to bring results and sleep. And thoughts of filling this windfall of time with hobby or learning a skill have been abandoned. I am hardly able to focus on a task long enough to make any sort of progress. What small bits I do pick up are quickly lost to me in the light of day. Even the act of writing this out has been an endless process, and I still am not confident that anything here will make sense. 
There were, of course, alternative measures available to me. Weed made me paranoid. Booze made me depressed. Any harder drugs seemed apt to make things worse rather than better. I didn't resort to over-the-counter solutions until I became truly desperate. Growing up with a mother who self-prescribed herself a regimen of downers and vodka, seeing the ruin they caused left me resistant to the idea. It was a pointless fear. The medications and sleep aids my doctors prescribed have all been ineffective. I could take enough Lunesta or Nambian to incapacitate a rhino, but still I would find myself awake in my chair. Even worse is the fact that on those medications, what little sleep I could get no longer provide any restive benefits at all. Those few hours of sleep being all I had, I gave up the pills. I was left adrift, clinging to the hope I may find a specialist who could help or that I might be a candidate for a sleep study. Then the pandemic began to make headlines, and the treatments I was counting on to save me were deemed unessential. Appointments were delayed, and then cancelled. Out of ideas, and with no energy to push further, I settled into a new routine. Sitting in my chair locked into a perpetual staring contest with my reflection. Looking back on it now, I think I sensed something off with the reflection from the start, but that may just be a case of hindsight being 2020. My state of mind had deteriorated from lack of sleep, and my body hadn't fared any better. Lost in a wearied haze, I would sit in my chair and mark off each second as it passed by. No energy left in me. Bleary eyes open yet not seeing, I would subconsciously begin to do something innocuous, like tap the fingers of my right hand on the arm of my chair. In response, the reflection would tap the fingers of its right hand back. That would carry on for a moment when it would register in my brain that a proper reflection should be tapping the fingers of its left hand to mirror the actions of my right. And I would gather my focus to confirm this false action. I would find my reflection looking back at me, fingers on its left hand tapping away as it should. My mind would revolt against itself, questioning what made me think otherwise. It is amazing what we will rationalize, especially when exhausted. And so this continued on with me in denial, brushing off things any clear-headed person would have recognized as red flags. Each night, as I would drift into some sleepy-minded half-dream, I'd perceive in the furthest edges of my vision some movement from my reflection. By the time my gaze reached the reflection, it would present as my perfect mirror to assure that all was well. But things were not well. The insomnia was bad enough on its own, but as pandemic warnings gave way to quarantine orders, an uneasy claustrophobia piled into my already exhausted mind. This house became a prison I cannot escape, and I am locked in here with my reflection. Then I had the night that finally tipped me over the edge. The night. In the same way a pivotal event like D-Day stands for Day-Day. For me, the night has come to own the word. It started like any other before it. I had gone to bed at 10.30pm to attempt to catch what little sleep I could, only to come back awake at 11.42pm, scarcely more than an hour. I found myself again in my chair lost in that purgatory between wake and sleep. The twilight haze was quick to set in, and my mind drifted to thoughts of nothing, 
when out of the corner of my eye I saw what appeared to be a quick wave of movement in the reflection. That jarred me out of my trance and brought my attention fully to the mirror. I studied it and threw it the room in which I sat. Time crawled by on the face of the clock with no satisfactory explanation emerging. Desperate now, I begged for anything that might account for what had happened. Had something fallen? A light bulb burned out? There must be some logical explanation for what I had seen, for what I had been seeing every night. I continued to scrutinize the reflection in my surroundings for what fell an eternity with nothing to show for it. I was just about to give up my search when my reflection in a big obvious arcing motion waved to me. Was this real? I looked at my hands thinking that in my delirious state of exhaustion that I must have moved my own hand involuntarily not noticed. My hands sat at my sides motionless, no evidence to be found in them. I shifted my attention back to the mirror to find my reflection now smiling back at me with a primal toothy grin that sent a chill down my spine. That creepy expression couldn't possibly be on my own face, could it? The idea of that grin on my lips made me feel violated. I raised my hands to my face to check if the smile was there, then froze. My reflection's hands did not follow my lead but instead remained at its sides, its face still staring back at me with that dentist office smile still affixed upon its face. In shock at the absurdity of the situation, I stood up to leave the room in protest. My reflection remained seated and watched me, curiosity getting the better of me, but careful to maintain a safe distance, I slowly approached the mirror, yet the reflection did not move. I jumped and thrashed and waved my arms in a flurry above my head. The reflection smiled back calmly, seeing a secret humor in the circumstance that was lost on me. Desperate to break the stalemate, my mind searched for any idea. I was no longer able to make my own reflection move, that much was clear. But what about the other objects in the room? If I moved an object on my side, would that in turn move the reflected counterpart? While I'm admittedly no scientist, I'm aware that when conducting an experiment, you are meant to start with a small test of your hypothesis before you build to bigger trials. In this scenario, the best place to start would be some simple yet conclusive action that could be replicated and built on. Maybe slide the centerpiece on the coffee table a few inches, or toss a pillow in the air while watching the reflection to see if either followed suit. Instead, I flipped the whole coffee table end over end. I observed as the table's glass top shattered into a thousand fractal shards and as its contents shattered across the floor. In the mirror, the reflected table remained untouched and unchanged. It sat upright with its decorations and knickknacks intact and arranged with care across its surface. My reflection remained unchanged as well. That smile stretched from ear to ear eyes fixed on me in anticipation of my next move. I hardly paused long enough to register the results of my first test before starting on the next. I grabbed blindly for anything in reach, finding one of my end table lamps. In one fluid motion, I smashed it down into the remains of the table. My reflection watched unmoved, eyes greedy for more.
I felt the rage boil over inside me as I grabbed the lamp's twin off the other end table. I raised it above my head, locked eyes with my reflection, and prepared to drive it through his skull to knock the teeth from that condescending smile. Then I would be the one laughing. What are you doing? Her voice sent a shock through me and brought me back to my senses. My wife stood on the second floor landing, looking down on the great room and I beneath her. Arms crossed, she watched me with resentment painted on her face. In that moment, shame crept over my body. I felt exposed under her gaze, like an addict finally recognizing they no longer had control. What happened to the table? Is that broken glass? You're not cut, are you? My wife demanded in rapid fire. Wait. Were you about to throw that lamp? Have you lost your mind? It's 3.30 in the morning, for Christ's sake. You don't understand, I pleaded, in motion toward the mirror. I had to test and see if it was real. I was seeing if the things on the reflection side of the mirror would follow what I did on my side. You wanted to see if the coffee table and the reflection would break if you broke our coffee table? My wife said, baffled by my response. Well, actually, that the coffee table and the reflection wouldn't break if I flipped our table. And if you look, you will see that is exactly what happened. I began to excitedly explain, ready for my big reveal and redemption, but that was something I would not have. As I turned to bring my wife's attention to the reflection, I saw that the scene in the mirror was the same as the one that surrounded me. The reflected table upended and busted. The contents that normally adorned its surface littered the floor. In the midst of the chaos standing over the destruction was my reflection, lamp clutched in his hand. That crazed smile that had momentarily cracked my sanity was no longer there. Instead, my reflection now wore a look of defeat that I knew was on my face as well. Do you know how insane you sound? My wife started in on me before I had the chance to process. It's a reflection. It doesn't do anything unless you do it. Of course it broke the table if you broke the table. I don't even know how to respond to something like this. Even as exhausted as I was, I recognized that I needed to abandon my position if I was going to keep my wife somewhat on my side. One of my strengths and major reason for my success has always been my ability to recognize early when a battle is lost. While most people dig in and refuse to give ground on an already lost cause, I gladly pivot, retreat, and renew my attack from a better position. I couldn't satisfactorily explain my situation. She would never accept what I saw as reality, but I could at least gain sympathy that could buy me time. I... I must have been sleepwalking, I said forlorn. These sleepless nights have been wearing me down for so long, I must be dozing off and not realizing it. The dream felt so real, I couldn't tell the difference. I'm sorry I can't explain it better. And you're okay, she said, softening. This is all starting to get crazy, even for you. You never did anything like sleepwalking before. I guess i never been this exhausted before, I said. I just didn't realize it was as bad as it was, she continued. I'm sorry you're going through this. 
If it wasn't for the stupid quarantine, I'd have you in the city under observation by doctors tomorrow. Hopefully it will only be for a couple of weeks, and then you can see a specialist. Yeah, hopefully, I said, dejected. Because I don't know what to do with you, my wife said, exhausted by the situation. Jesus, did you have to break the table? That thing was an antique. I know, sorry about that. Well, you may as well come back upstairs to bed. A motherly tone now in her voice. Be careful not to step on any of the broken glass. We'll clean that up tomorrow. If we try and do it now, you'll just end up cutting yourself, and I'm not spending the night in the emergency room with all this COVID shit going on. I headed up the stairs to our room, part of me actually starting to believe my own story. Sleepwalking was a very possible explanation. I was exhausted. Maybe everything I had been seeing the past month was the product of me slipping into these half-dreams and not realizing it. I felt a brief sense of hope wash over me that everything may not be as dire as it seemed. Insomnia was bad, but if I was just dreaming, then I wasn't going crazy. Everyone has weird dreams sometimes. As I reached the top of the stairs and turned onto the landing, I felt a small sense of relief. I may have a chance to beat this. Then I looked down at the mirror below me. There, with that Cheshire grin on his face, was my reflection. He watched as I walked away, face pressed up to the glass. As I entered the bedroom, he waved goodbye. I spent the rest of the night hidden away in our bedroom, yet despite us being separated by walls and distance, as I laid there in the darkness, his face, my face, was all I could see. The night was in March. The quarantine has trapped me in this house with that mirror and infernal reflection for 48 days now. In that time, the reflection hasn't stopped never stops. He has only gotten worse. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories at gmail.com. You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash clancypasta store. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers.